Hi, my name is Morris Scott, and welcome to another episode of A Father's Devotion Podcast. Uh, Today, we are exploring highlights from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, The Hebrew title means one who convenes and speaks at an assembly or ecclesiastic. In the Greek, it also means preacher and is related to the word assembly. Uh, It's dated about uh, 935 BC. The human author refers to himself as a son of David the king and as one with more wisdom than all that came before him. Uh, So this all points to Solomon as being the author. The book deals now with the theme of the purpose of life. Uh, It begins with the question of whether all appears futile or in vain, uh, but then moves toward the theme of enjoyment the blessings of God in life and living in obedience to God who will judge our lives in the end. So let's move right into the highlights. Uh, We're going to move first to the first chapter. We're going to be reading from verse 1 through 2 and then also verse 16. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. So we see here uh, the reference to the author being a son of David and the reference to having wisdom that exceeded all those before him. Again, this would be a reference to Solomon. The question is then, what do you do when you have wisdom? What do you do with your wisdom? Do you walk around with your nose in the ear uh, as if you're better than others? Or do you realize that everything that you have, you received it from the Lord, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, uh, and therefore walk in humility. So whatever God has blessed you with, never be conceited about it. Uh, Don't show off, don't flaunt it, because as it came, so it can go away. Use it for the glory of God and stay humble. Let's move to our next highlight. Second chapter, we're going to be reading verse 1, 4, and 11. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. So we see here that pleasure and wealth can be, and I stress the phrase can be, futile and in vain. Uh, If it is not connected with a godly vision, a godly purpose, then it will be vain. Look, people may praise you. People may pay you a lot of money. uh, You can be very popular. You can be very influential. But if there is no underlying vision, then all of that will feel very lonely and empty. And it can be a very dangerous place to be. Godly vision will provide a foundation and safety net, a guiding light in the face of uncertainty and turbulence. So as you pursue ambitions in life, make sure you pray and ask God for his vision for your life, his purpose for your life. And the promise is that as you acknowledge God in all your ways, he will direct your path. He'll carve out a path for you to walk in. That's Proverbs 3, verse 6. Let's move to our next highlight. We're going to read the third chapter, verses 1 through 13, 17, and 22. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to throw away, 
a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Verse 17. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Verse 22. So I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? So here we see that life is not a mechanical list of do's and don'ts that applies to every situation, but it takes wisdom and insight from the Holy Spirit to know how to apply each. We must pray for wisdom. There is a context that must be understood in order to properly apply the teachings of sacred scripture. Verse 13 also teaches uh, that it is okay to enjoy the fruits of one's labor. When God blesses you, you don't have to feel guilty about it. You can still enjoy it but walk in the fear of God. Uh, we have to enjoy it in the fear of God because verse 17 says that God will judge the righteous and the wicked. Everything we do, say, and think should be done in the context of the reality that one day we will stand before God to account for everything that we do. This principle will help us when dealing with difficult situations in life and when leading people with various needs and demands. Set every issue not in the context of just the present, but in the context of eternity. How will God judge my decision? If you have the witness in your spirit that your decision will be able to stand before God on the judgment day, then you're on solid foundation. Verse 22 talks about a man rejoicing in his own works. This certainly does not mean that our salvation is dependent on our own works. Uh, certainly not. Uh, it doesn't mean walk in arrogant pride. But it does mean that we can have godly joy because of what God has gifted us to do. Uh, there'll be haters and negative people that look down on you, uh, regardless of how gifted you are. Ignore them. Thank God for what he has blessed you to do and do it with all of your might, with joy and with gladness. Our next highlight is the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 2, 9 through 10 and 13. Then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors, there is power, but they have no comforter. Therefore, I praise the dead who were already dead, more than the living who are still alive. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. So here we see in verses 1 through 2 uh, another example of the evil of oppression. It seems that all throughout the grand narrative of scripture, there is a frowning upon oppression. This is very clear. Verse 2 is not praising of death, but it does convey and indicate in Solomon's human way that 
part of the essence of the life we live on earth is the ability to enjoy freedoms intended by our creator. And when men deprive other men of such freedoms, they are taking away a significant part of life and God is not pleased. In verses 9 through 10, we see the principle that God has created man to be in fellowship with others and not alone. Whether the fellowship is through friends gathering together, believers fellowshipping together, or in the context of marital or family relationships, being around each other is important to strengthen each other, to build each other up, to sharpen each other, and to be accountable to each other. Verse 13 shows us that wisdom is better than riches or great position. So in life, look, in life, seek wisdom as the principal thing. Proverbs 4 verse 7. Our next highlight is the fifth chapter. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 2, 8, 10, 13 through 15. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. If you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter. For high official watches over high official and higher officials over them. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt, but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. So we see here that true worship is not about how many words we can say. People can utter a lot of words without any meaning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Worship is a two-way street. In your worship journey, listen to God as he speaks through his word. Let it guide you in your prayer life. Verse 8 shows us that God is sovereign. Even over oppression, he will judge oppressors. Verse 10 says that he that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver. It speaks of desires, uh, of affections, of ambitions, and how satisfaction and fulfillment in life occur. Look, money cannot bring satisfaction. In fact, the love of money is actually the root of all evil. That's in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 10. We have to set our affections on things that are above on the Lord and on the kingdom of God. That's Colossians 3 verse 2. We have to store up investments in heaven where they cannot be corrupted. That's Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 20. Verses 13 through 15 show us the sober reality of life. Regardless of how high people reach in life, everyone leaves this life the same manner in which they came with no material possessions. It's only what we do for God that lasts. See also Revelations 14, uh, verse 13, and 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 13. Verse 19 now shows us again that it is okay to rejoice in what God has blessed us with. But listen, don't oppress others with what God has given you and remain in the fear of God as you enjoy what God has blessed you with. Let's move to our next highlight, the seventh chapter. We're going to be reading verse 5, 9, 13, 20, 26, and 29. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. 
Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Truly this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. This chapter shows a lot about how we should live in light of the fallen nature of man. Sometimes the wise will not speak words that are pleasing to us, and the fool may speak flattering words. But we should never want only people around us who say only pleasant things and are afraid to say unpleasant things. And we should never have an attitude that only welcomes that which is pleasant to our ears and rejects that which is unpleasant to our ears. This is especially true if we are in any type of leadership position. It could be leading a class project, leading a family, leading a project at work, uh, leading a community, or even leading a ministry. It is healthy to have people that will speak truth regardless of whether you like it or not. It is unwise to have people around you that are just interested in flattering you with praise and have no commitment to truth and the integrity or purpose of what you are doing. Verse 9 is an encouragement to practice self-control. Don't be ruled by your emotions. Be temperate. Being out of control will never work out any lasting good purpose. Verse 13 is a reminder uh, that God is sovereign and all-powerful. We can only submit to his majesty. Even in things we don't understand in life, even in his word, there might be things that we don't understand, but we must acknowledge that he is the all-knowing God. We are the ignorant creatures that pretend to know everything. Any knowledge that we have, it's only because God has given us the ability to think and because God has revealed himself to us. Uh, verse 26 is yet another warning to men about ungodly and immoral woman. Uh, the ungodly woman will be like a trap. The strength of a trap is in its deception and its alluring and tempting nature based upon what the prey likes. Uh, her hands are described as fetters. Uh, these are serious words, words which are a warning to men. Men with purpose and all men should have purpose. Uh, men uh, must be careful not to get trapped and caught by immoral woman. Uh, the verse says that whoever pleases God will escape from her. So the road to escaping immoral woman is to concentrate not on woman, uh, but on pleasing God. As your focus is on God, he will shine the light on any deception that is looming on the horizon. He will put a spiritual red light in your view for you to see and heed. Psalm 119 verse 11 and also verse 105. On the other hand, the one who practices sin will be caught. The one who practices sin will not have the spiritual eyesight and insight to perceive the danger, nor the power to run away from the seduction and deception. Verses 20 and 29 are more verses in scripture that declare that no one is righteous or just before God. This is a major part of essential Christian doctrine. Only Christ can cleanse because he is the only one who walked the earth and did not sin. Uh, he is the only unblemished sacrifice that can bring cleansing to our sinful soul. Remember, the unclean cannot clean the unclean. Only a clean sponge can clean that which is unclean. I encourage you, I encourage you today to depend on Jesus Christ uh, for your salvation from your cleansing from sin and from your deliverance from destruction. Let's move to our next highlight, the eighth chapter, and we're going to read verse six. Because for every matter there is a time and judgment, 
uh, though the misery of man increases greatly. Uh, so what is God purposed in your life? What is God doing in your life? There is a time for it to come to pass. It is not the same time and season as another brother or another sister. So don't compare yourself with people. It's not the same time that even you have in mind, but seek God in his word and in prayer and you will find yourself in the safest place in the whole wide world, which is in the will of God. Let's move to our next highlight, uh, the ninth chapter. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 11, verse 16 and verse 18. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So we see several things here. We see the encouragement for a man to be faithful to his wife. We see the encouragement to honor the covenant of marriage. We see also uh, the encouragement to be fervent, uh, to be excited uh, and filled with energy about whatever God has given us to do. Uh, we should not be complacent or uh, lazy about our work. We should work with all of our strength, our power, and our might to produce a majestic result which honors God. This is the essence of excellence in work. In verse 11, we see the issue of various results to those that are running a race or those that might be in a battle. Uh, sometimes it might appear to man as though the result is based on pure chance, but it is not. Although it is not in man's power to determine or control endeavors, races, and battles, it is certainly in God's power. For God does plan and ordain things in the life of men and nations. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, and Proverbs 16, uh, verse 9. But we also know and understand that God reigns on the just and on the unjust, and God releases his common grace on his creation. In verses 16 through 18, we see the witness that wisdom is better uh, than human strength or human weapons of war. Uh, this wisdom is not an earthly man-made wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from God as we read his word and as we pray. Uh, James 3, uh, verse 13 through 18, and 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 31. Let's move to our next highlight, chapter 11. We're going to read verse 5 and verse 9. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. So we see here that God's ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9. 
Uh, again, there must be the creator creation distinction. We must not assume a level of knowledge and authority in the creation that belongs only to the creator. Uh, we also see the encouragement of how to measure your life. Look, if you're trying to plan out your life, if you're trying to have purpose in your life, if you're seeking fulfillment in your life, if you want to live a life that you won't regret, forget about pleasing people. Forget about the negative voices. This is what you need to do. Measure your life by this guiding principle. You will one day have to stand before God and answer for everything that you do and say. This will strengthen you when you do right, and it will convict you when you do wrong. Let's move to our last highlight, uh, the 12th chapter. We're going to be reading from verse 1 through 8 and then verses 13 through 14. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun and the light of the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, uh, when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of the grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails, for man goes to his eternal home, uh, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So this chapter is pointed to youth, uh, to young people. Uh, it's an encouragement to serve God when you're young, because this physical earthly life does not last for always. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. Uh, look, it's not a waste of time to serve God when you're young. It's an investment that pays off. Listen, I'm no perfect person, but I committed my life to the Lord around 11 years of age. And now decades later, I treasure the years of service to the Lord as a youth. Um, I wouldn't trade those years for anything. Looking back at it now and to see how God has taken an imperfect person like me and acted through this vessel of clay. Listen, if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Not because of any goodness of our own, for we fail and we make mistakes all the time, but it's because of God's mercy, goodness, and grace. Verse 13 and 14 sums up the lesson of Ecclesiastes. We must fear God. This fear means reverence. It means to honor God, to acknowledge his sovereignty and his power, uh, to worship him, to obey his word. We do this because God is the final judge. He sees everything we do. He knows about everything that we call secret, whether it's good or evil. So how do we deal with the good and the evil? Regarding the good, it's only because of the grace of God that we do any good in our lives. We can take no credit for it. Regarding the evil, yes, uh, we shall be judged for it unless the day of judgment has come already and the trial has occurred and jeopardy has already, as it were, attached. Look, 
Christ as a representative for the human race faced the judgment of God, faced the trial and the jeopardy that was ours. If we trust in Christ and invite him into our hearts, his righteousness is imputed to us and our judgment put on him. Uh, we therefore cannot be judged again for sin. We cannot face another trial for sin. We cannot be exposed to a second jeopardy. Uh, we are free. We can remove the prison chains from our hands and feet. We can take off the prison clothes of shame. We can leave the courthouse with a smile and a testimony to the reporters. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's Romans chapter eight, verse one. Listen, if you want this freedom and this justification, I invite you to pray this prayer if you don't know Jesus in the pardoning of your sins. Just say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me for all of my sins and come into my heart. I confess that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. I commit my life to you. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. Well, if you prayed that prayer in sincerity, God has honored that prayer and you are now a child of God. Make sure you do three things, that you read the word of God every day, that you pray every day, and that you connect with the body of believers. Let's pray again. Father, we pray that you would just give us all more of your wisdom as we face challenging times and difficult days. Your wisdom is sufficient to guide us through this wilderness that we call life. We thank you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.